Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! Welcome to the Next Gen Nerd Podcast, where we talk nerdy and we talk ministry. Today we're going to be talking with Cameron Diamond about Dungeons & Dragons, as well as a new counseling ministry he's been working on. Can't wait to get into that conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode, and if you could, give us five stars and a review so others can find us. And if you're wanting to share the podcast, one of the easiest ways to do that is by giving them the nextgennerd.com URL. Enjoy the show, guys. Well, guys, like I said, I am here with Cameron Diamond from Jonesville Baptist Church. Cameron, hey, bud. Hey, what's up, CJ? Thanks for having me. Oh, and enjoyed it. We were getting lunch a couple months ago, and I was talking about this and listed a few topics. And uh, you started talking about Dungeons & Dragons, and I knew you were a perfect fit to have on the podcast. So I appreciate you coming. Yeah, of course. I love playing D&D. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, something you're excited about at your church in a little while. Um, before we get there, kind of tell us your journey, your story, why you're here uh, in North Central Florida, in the armpit of Florida, uh, and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, well, it might be the armpit, but we love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we fit in great here. It's in the middle of winter for most people, but it's 75 degrees here. It's wonderful. Amen, amen. Um, God brought us here. I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, and God called me to ministry like right as I was finishing high school, completely swapped gears. I was headed to medical school, and then suddenly... Nope, I'm headed to Bible college. Okay. And it's been about eight years since then, and we've been to Georgia, we've been to South Florida, we were in Panama City for a long time until Hurricane Michael, and then uh, just two years ago, God brought us here to Jonesville, and uh, it's been wonderful. This is where we're supposed to be, ministry is thriving, and uh, it's been really encouraging. Oh, good. Very good. Um, I do love it here, too. It is the armpit. Like, if you look at it, like, that's where we're at. We're right in the middle of the armpit of Florida. Um, uh but I, I was born and raised here. Love being here. I remember being in high school and people going, I can't wait to get out of Gainesville. And it's like, I kind of like it here. When I go bigger cities, I just get frustrated. So anyway, so Dungeons and Dragons, um, we're going to we're gonna talk about that. Uh, I remember playing incorrectly, uh, like middle school, late, high, late elementary school, middle school age, we would play incorrectly. Uh, and just what we had observed from our older siblings. And then um, start playing a little more in high school. Uh, and um, I just enjoy the... I enjoy the storytelling aspect of it. Like that's my favorite part of it. But but let's tell me about your history with Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, absolutely. Storytelling is really what it comes down for me too. Um, growing up, my mom was always the one that was like, no Harry Potter, <laughs> like no fantasy stuff. We didn't even get into like Tolkien and Middle okay. Earth stuff till high school. She was like, I think he's a Christian. We should check this out. So like Chronicles of Narnia was as far as we ever got. I got you. Um, Power Rangers was on when she wasn't around, kind of thing. And uh, so. <laughs> Um, Dungeons and Dragons was always like the outlier, like that's of Satan. You can't, you can't touch that. Uh, it's, it's bad. And kids at school were always uh, ragging on me anyway for being nerdy. So okay. that would have been like one more thing. <laughs> so it was really your mom was trying to preserve your life at that point. At She's that like, point, yes. if you have any more, any more things that you can stack on your nerd belt, like <laughs> they're going to take you out. Exactly. But when I got to college, um, it was strange because suddenly I find myself in this small town with nothing to do. Okay. And so we get into Magic the Gathering, 
Do you know what that is? I do. Like that that was a nerd line I never crossed, you know? Like I was like that's that's too much for me. That and the uh the kids that would download games on their graphing calculator. Yep. That was another thing that I was like I can't Guilty. I can't I can't get into that, but but continue. Yeah, so we got into Magic the Gathering. I played that for a long time and and I really I never enjoyed the game part of it. Okay. Um it was always the cards, yes. so the pictures and the flavor text and all of that. And so a few years ago, um, the same company that owns Dungeons and Dragons does Magic the Gathering. And it's like, you know what? I'm on my own. I'm going to give this a <laughs> shot. I don't think any of my friends are going to play this, but I'm going to learn it. And I'm going to teach them because, yeah. Okay. Right. And so um, I was living in Port Charlotte at the time. Um, uh, Hurricane Michael had just hit, and I was trying to find something productive to do with my time. It's like, I'm going to do this. This is my moment. Okay. So I bought the core books. I was like, all right, how do you do this? How do you do this? I'm like going through YouTube videos constantly, Matt Colville and the rest of it. Like, okay, I got this. And uh, so I run my first group through a Star Wars campaign, which is not, it wasn't technically Dungeons and Dragons, but it's what I love. I can't. It's close. (laughs) Listen, listen, nobody that, you know, plenty of people that are not nerds, they don't see the difference. They don't see the difference. So uh, our, our pastor grew up in a similar home where um, Dungeons & Dragons was evil, but the Star Trek version, uh-huh. where they use science instead right. of magic, we can do that. So he, yeah, he, he, he's there with you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and so we were doing it over, like, Skype, okay. Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. Star Wars edition, and that was the best. I had, because all my friends were, were into Star Wars, and it didn't matter if one was in Colorado and one was in Hawaii, and, and one was just a couple hours away, and one was sitting next to yeah. me. Uh, we were all just able to get back together again, which, of course, after several years of being out of college, was, was kind of refreshing. Right, right. Um, a lot of us hadn't had the chance to make close friendships in the places we'd gone to since, and so to, to have that chance to be back together was was really great. And not have that competitiveness okay. that uh, trading card games like Magic the Gathering kind of encourages Right. Um, came poisonous sometimes. Because you're on a team. You're on a exactly. team. You're working together. Yeah. Yeah, and so that was really cool to see. Now, of, of course, I'm I'm always the dude running the game, constantly. Same. Same. If I want to play, I've got to plan it. I got to be the one behind the screen, which is fine. I think it's fun. Um, the problem I run into though is that uh, whether it's my teenagers that play with me or or my friends online that I've just accumulated through the years, they don't think I'm actually playing with them. Okay. <laughs> it's the oddest thing. You're like, so when when do you get to play? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that a little bit. Uh, I um I do more um, uh, Monster of the Week, which okay. is is a similar style game. Um, very story driven. Very story driven. Yeah. Like the the you know the dice that we use is two six sided die, and it really is just the probability that it's going to happen. And so that's it. There's no right. other math involved or whatever else. Um, but it's the same thing, you know. Like exactly. Yeah. I'm having to be creative. I'm having to be creative, especially in Monster of the Week, you only have one page for your for your notes for your campaign. And so um so you're making up a lot of it on the fly and so it's the same thing as them, but it's the best part is is the improv that goes yes. along with it for sure. Yes. Yes. I, I do miss though. I don't get I don't get to play either. I'm always the the I don't, I'm never the player character. I'm always the DM. Right. Um Growing up, my, my brother and my best friend, uh, they wouldn't even watch a subtitle movie unless I read the subtitles out loud. Like that was, that's crazy. It is. They wouldn't like like you have to you have to read it out loud. Uh, and so it's the same kind of thing. Like if, if I wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons or Monster of the Week, like I'm the one that's got to put in the work for us to do this. But it's okay. Yeah, it's right. still fun. It's still fun. Yeah. And, and for me, like D and D, so we I've started playing that a lot more recently because I've got two teenagers in the house, um, and. 
one of them wanted something with a little more crunch. Okay. And I was like, well, I like the story-driven stuff better, but we can use D&D, and it can be, <laughs> it can be a, a facade. Don't tell him that. Right, right. Right? And so we, we do the fail-forward kind of okay. thing, right? And so they're creating the story, and I'm just going along with it, you know, and I've yeah. got a very general idea. But the way I run it's probably not any different than you're doing fantasy of the week. Uh, listen, I, I listen to several um, Dungeons & Dragons podcasts, and they don't actually play Dungeons & Dragons. Right. They're really just telling the story, and they're, exactly. it's, it's loose mechanics. But that was really what I grew I mean, really, it's a lot more... I, for, to me, it's fun. To me, it's fun. People who, who want to go by every single rule, and yeah. and that's fun to them, by all means. I'm not going to judge you on that. But I'm here to have fun, and so I want to tell a story. I want to have some some great moments. So speaking of which, what is like a great moment in a campaign you did where you're like, this was fantastic? Still the best moment was from that very first Star Wars campaign that I ran. Um, I had bought this book called like the, the, the Epic Guide to Creating Campaigns or something like okay. that. And so I had pre-planned every little detail. But finally, we had gotten to the last thing. It's the only campaign I've ever been able to finish because we had enough time for it, and everybody was just clicking every right. week. And so they get to the end of this campaign, and it's like it, it was like at the end of a Star Wars movie, right? They're on the capital ship. They're taking down the bad guy, and, and they're, they're, they're just solving everything, one thing after another, explosions everywhere, right? The, the, the bad guy, they, they kill him. They're racing off the ship. Somehow he comes back to life again. And they're able to take him down just in the nick of time <laughs> as the ship is exploding. Right. And and just the, the sheer excitement I was getting from my yeah. players, just the way they were responding to it. it was, you just can't recreate it. Mm. It was amazing. Very nice. Very nice. I remember, uh, so Monster of the Week, they have several, like, rules that you as the, the, the game master are supposed to follow. And one of them is, is always separate them. Like, you want them to get... Because Monster of the Week is basically like a... Um, a horror movie or a mystery that you know that that you're putting in there, and so you want to separate them because they'll get more trouble if they're separated. Right. So that's like the opposite of yes. normal role playing wisdom. Yes. Which is don't split the party. Yeah. So you're you're trying to split them up, and so I had, I think I had like seven. I had seven players, and so I broke them up into three groups, and what that allowed me to do was to think about group B and C while I was running A. Yeah. So like, the, here's a curveball I can throw you, and I remember um, there were several moments where I was able to think ahead and go okay this is what we're going to do and and you're right there's moments where they're getting excited because of the story you're telling you're like this this is it right that's here that's where it's really jiving like that's why i play yes is for those moments yes uh the the this one of the mechanics in monster of the week like you have like these certain things that you're trying to accomplish by the end and one of them is you're trying to save somebody and so um actually the the, the scenario we did it ended up Feeling more like a refresher on our church's child protection policies uh, <laughs> because the the villain was the the youth pastor and they were oh. <laughs> uh, she was a um, a monster that was eating these like people and so like oh. they're like wait does she you don't have any background history on where she's worked before this like that's the that's the yellow flag that's that's you know we need to we need to watch out for that but anyways I remember that there was this girl that they were trying to protect and um and they didn't they did they didn't do that so they didn't get extra XP for whatever and I remember knowing. That was their goal, and I was able to introduce uh, one of our players. There, um, they had a, a nemesis, and we hadn't decided what the nemesis was going to be. What I ended up making was it was a twin sister, and she wrote a letter saying, "I knew you wouldn't be able to save them all," and like that was how she knew oh, that the girl man. died. And so it was, it was that moment, like, oh, like no. I, I know that's coming, and I posted. They're like, "No!" And they're like a picture, <laughs> and, and so like while they were focused on the main monster of the campaign, yeah. I had this girl's sister 
kidnapped this girl and she took oh, care of it. No. And so, uh, so it was, it was, you're right. There's moments where you're like, they are enjoying the story. You know, right. it's, it, it is, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Um, so we mentioned earlier, your parents thinking D&D is from the devil. How do you combat that? If somebody in your church goes, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons with teenagers. Uh, how, how, how do you, like, I know it's a storytelling, I, you know, and, you know, I have my, my go-tos. Uh, what are right. your go-tos? Someone goes, isn't Dungeons and Dragons from the devil? Right. Well, I, you know, <laughs> that's hard for some people, especially the older folks, because they just have this kind of ingrained mindset of what is and isn't good, but they've never actually read the material. They well, don't know. And there was a cam- there was a campaign against it in Baptist churches. Like they were like, "This right, is yes. from the devil." Oh yeah. They're you know, and so uh, so that's that's all. That's the only experience they have is the. I don't want to use the word propaganda, but the propaganda that this is satanic. Right. Well, they were burning Harry Potter books over it, right? This is true. This is true. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of my dad's friends growing up, his church had a record burning where he burned Petra records. Which was a Christian Christian band. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Christian band. But he had an electric guitar with a little bit of distortion, and so immediately... That's well, of the devil. I wonder what that's going to be for us. You know, there's yeah, going right. to be something there's for our generation where we yeah. go, what, your, your parents were upset about that? Yep, they yeah, were. Right. Yeah, uh, so what I normally do with people is say, okay, do you have a few minutes? Because let's sit down and just, right. we'll just look at it. Right. Okay, so let's make a character. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to be an elf? <laughs> See, I would lose 90% of my detractors like, no, I'm out. I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, I don't want to play. Right, right. And, uh, but see, generally that works because you're like, oh, you're just playing make-believe? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's We're not summoning anyone. Uh, yeah, right. Did you read the the Hobbit? Did you read Lord of the Rings? See, my go to, my go to is Wizard of Oz. Like, yeah, I, that's uh, a good one. Um, I have a relative who was trashing a family member that had a Harry Potter tattoo, okay. and how unchristian that is. Yeah, and I was getting frustrated because this this family member's not a Christian, not a Christian, and I'm thinking, you know. You're being horribly rude to her. Stop it. Right. And so I asked, I go, hey, what do you think of Wizard of Oz? Oh, I love that movie. And I go, there's magic in that movie. Right. And they go, well, it didn't happen here. It happened in a make-believe place. And I said, do you think Hogwarts is a real place? <laughs> and they were like, uh, um, uh, it, it's not, you don't believe that the right. magic exists. Yeah. It's just a story. Right. Um, and the people that do think it exists, we recognize them as being a little nutty. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Dude Perfect just did a video uh, on board games, board game stereotypes, and they did a whole Dungeons and Dragons section. You yeah. have to check it out; it's pretty I good. Will. I'll, I'll check that out. For it's sure. pretty good. Um, my last question for uh, for Dungeons and Dragons: um, Are you a dice addict? Like, I know people that have like giant bags full of dice. Like, I don't know why you would need that many. Like, I don't know what you could possibly do right. with three hundred dice uh, or die. I don't know where the plural is. I can't remember which one is which. But anyways, like ten. That's like all you need. Like one of each shape, maybe a couple extra, but. Yeah, I think I have probably 10 sets. Okay. And not that I'm a dice addict, but when I was just starting out, I was getting so crazy and buying stuff <laughs> because I was like, everyone's going to love this. I'm going to be into this like all the time and I need, no one's going to want to buy their own stuff. I need all so the stuff. I need all the stuff. And once we moved to Jonesville, I started unpacking my D&D stuff that I had not really used. I have so much. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've got a couple sets, and then when I started doing Monster of the Week because it's so six sided die heavy, I bought a couple sets of just six sided die yes. um, because especially if you got a large group, handing those around gets kind of tedious. So here you mm-hmm. go. You have yours. I have mine. Um, but yeah, I do have. I think I have like it's either two or three sets. I have two or three sets of like okay. all, all the different shapes. I don't have like some of the really special ones like the hundred sided die and everything oh, yeah, else. Yeah, you don't need any of that. Yeah, I don't have that. Um, but. Uh, 
But yeah, they're, they're one of the guys that's in our college group. He's like, he brought his dice bag with him, and it was full. Like, I'm like, that is a That's lot. absurd. Yeah. Now, did he, like, buy a bag full of dice, or did he just, it's his collection? So. I don't think so. Uh, this guy, I mean, this guy is a, is a crafty guy. Very creative guy. Uh, like, he's the only high schooler that I've ever had that's been into blacksmithing. Uh, so oh. I could, I, he may have even made some of them. I don't know. Uh, but it was, it was, a, it, it was a full bag, full bag. Um, well, cool. So, uh, when I called you, I said, we we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, but we're also, I want to talk about something exciting that's going on in your ministry. And you didn't hesitate. You said, I'm, I'm starting a counseling ministry and I'd like to talk about that. And usually I like to send questions ahead of time. You know, these are the things we're going to be talking about, but I had no idea where to even go. And so we went and had lunch. Uh, you told me a right. little bit about it, uh, about, about what's going on. Um, and then I was like, okay, I've got some questions then. That'll, that'll work. So so tell us about uh, this program you're going through um, and what you've um, uh, experienced so far uh, in this journey of, of, of working towards um, biblical counseling. Okay. Uh, well, as far as, for me personally, counseling has always been um, an important part of my personality. Okay. Um, God's always kind of just put people in my place to counsel in that way. For some reason, they people trust me. Right. And so I look at myself I'm like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, but right. I, but I've never been shy to take advantage of the opportunity to use that to speak truth into people's lives using the Bible um, solely. And so uh, when I went to uh, the Jacksonville Pastors Conference here about a year and a half, it was the last one, unfortunately, they're going to have there. Um, a organization called the ACBC was there, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Um, and I had a chance to um, talk with them and get to know them and their heart and how they were doing ministry. Because when I always thought about counseling, I always thought about it in the sense that you've got to make an appointment with somebody and then they're going to fill your mind with, you know, like Freudianisms. And then you've got to think, OK, so what does the Bible say about what they just said? It makes it, in my mind, so much more difficult for the Bible believing Christian who's going through difficult circumstances um, and a lot of people don't know that they can go to their pastor for that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of pastors out there who have no idea how to use the Bible in that way. They're perfectly capable of giving good advice, perhaps, or perfectly capable of making a sermon for a Sunday morning. But for giving good counsel and using the Bible to back it up in any kind of official way, I don't see a lot of it. At least I haven't in the ministries that I've been a part of. And so when I was talking with these guys, it just really, it was like God telling me in that moment, you need to be a part of this. This needs to be a major part of what you're doing as a youth pastor. And so it's a two-year program. Um, it's requiring a lot of reading, uh, a lot of papers to be written, um, a lot of uh, lectures to listen to, and not so much lectures, but explaining not just what the Bible says, but how to use it in a practical way that people will hear and respond to in, in a way that actually will help people sort through their problems instead of just um, preaching at them privately, which is really not the goal, right? And and so that's been really great for me to do that. Um, I was able to get our church secretary to do it with me, so we have a, a me as, as a guy and, and a lady, so we have that kind of dual uh, ministry happening. And so we're still working through the program. It should take us about two years, um, so I'm about halfway through it at this point. Um, but it's been encouraging it, it, it every step. Because it's, even for me, kind of unlocked this idea that the Bible is really practical in a lot of ways that even I didn't see before I started this process. So you told me that, um, you know, that 
it's uh, it's it's Bible only, okay? And yes. I, I said it's a silly question, but so why is it Bible only? Like, why do you think like this is this is our this is our source? Uh, why do you think that that's such a a big key of this program? Well, it's key because we believe that the Bible is sufficient for all things. It's God's word to us, right? And so it's not just sufficient for our salvation, but it also gives us the um, absolute um, instruction for how to live and what living a life in Christ should look like and where sin affects us at every turn, whether it's the sin of just living in a sinful world or, or the personal sin that affects our lives from other people or from us to other people. And, and the Bible gives us clear instructions. Okay, this is going to happen. This is how you handle it and take care of it. And this is what you're working towards as a life sanctified as a Christian. And so it always has to start with this foundation of grace, this idea of uh, transformational grace, not just grace that we can be saved, but that we are saved from ourselves on a daily basis. And that will lead to real lasting change in our life. You mentioned that you guys are uh, practically using it right now with a a group of high school boys. Yes. Uh, I was... um, pleasantly surprised at the effectiveness, but why don't you share that, that group with us? Yeah. So we're calling this group conquer and uh, we're basing this on just solely the Bible. Um, these are youth boys who for, um, one reason or another, as uh, unfortunately a lot of our youth struggle, I mean, they're struggling with sexual purity on a number of levels. Um, and the amazing thing is that they had come to me with it and God had just, already been training me in this in this way and so what we're going through eight points where um eight key strategies to fight it according to god's word using scripture as the basis um but i had a couple rules that i had to set up in there first i had to say you got to be vulnerable you got to be totally honest you've got to be committed to the change and you've got to be committed to each other and if you can't do any of those things you can't be here and I was thinking, they're just not going to say anything. The script's right. going to fall apart. And it's not that I doubted God. I, I doubted myself. And honestly, I doubted them. <laughs> right? You know, uh, between 14 and 18 years old, um, boys don't want to talk. They don't want to open up, especially about that kind of stuff. Right. But they've been opening up. And they have been taking it seriously that what God desires for their life in this area, they haven't been following, but they they want it. And so the more we dig into Scripture and the more we talk about how God is leading them to victories in their life every week through this struggle, um, you're, I'm seeing the encouragement lighting up their faces. I'm seeing the changes not only in their personal lives, but between each other and in their families. And it's just one more like one more brick on the house of faith in my life is like, wow, you know, just seeing it happen is, has been really, really encouraging. Um, and another point to note is, uh, I didn't just have those rules, but I also had some do nots. Um, so anyone that's listening to this and wants to try it, there's a lot that goes into this. It's not like you can just pick it up and, and go, uh, but you, I also stress that you don't want to mention anything that will enable any of the other boys to sin further, right? You don't want to enable no horror stories. Things. Yeah, no horror stories, no specific details that are unnecessary, right? And, and so, and I've also got some other leaders in the room that can help make sure that everything is staying mm. on track and, and orderly. But right now, we're running about fifteen, um, which is incredible. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're saying you're running uh, around 30 on Wednesday night. So, I mean, that's that's a significant portion there. It's not like right. you've got like 500 kids and 15 of them are there. I mean, that's right. serious. So, do you think it was the raising of the bar that's caused them to be so open? Or is there some other aspect that you go, this? I think this is why they're being so honest and vulnerable? I think it's because they're realizing they're not alone anymore, honestly. They're realizing they, they all want the same thing. They want to have that honest relationship with Christ. And here's an opportunity for them to be honest about where they're at. Now, I also said that even if you're not struggling, you should come because you can be an encouragement to your brothers. Um, unfortunately, um, the ones that aren't struggling are, are my leaders, right? And so they're the ones that uh, are, they've been through it, right? And they're, they've worked through it and they can be an encouragement in that way. But all, all the teenagers, you know, the, I think the percentage of teenager boys that struggle is somewhere around 83 percent that's insane that's eight out of ten i kind of think that number is a little low too like i remember i remember those bible studies that i would i mean there was one when i was in college and so you know it wasn't there wasn't an adult there so it was just us talking and it was 100 percent of the guys and 100 percent of the girls like there was like right. a few girls and like yep we're there too and we're like like i expect us to but i figured mm-hmm. y'all you know so i mean it's it is high and i don't know Again, I don't know you know the the makeup of, of your group, but like me growing up, like it was not just a my home wasn't a, a necessarily a Christian home, you know. Like my right. parents went to church, my mom went to church, my stepdad went to church, and they would encourage us, you know, these are things that you shouldn't do. But like I don't, there there wasn't really a this is an extremely important for you to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I we waited until marriage, but that was not something that was pressed on us by any of the adults in our life. You know what I mean? Like they were right. just like, you know. You're gonna do what you're gonna do, and uh, and so I wonder how much of that how how if it's gotten worse. If it's gotten worse since I graduated high Absolutely. school, and yeah. and if so if you don't have somebody who is being an encouragement in that, are you gonna struggle? Probably. Yeah. If you don't have somebody that's that's really saying this is important, I mean, I don't need to get into my history, but there I didn't have the best role models that said sure this this is not a just a nat- it, it is natural. Sin is natural, it, you know. So it's not just that it's 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 a natural thing that you're going to think about. Um, I wasn't ex- it wasn't explained to me the importance of it, and yeah, not to put it on everybody else, but I've suffered for it, and I'm going to continue to suffer for it. And right. um, but I, you know, the buck still stops with me. I'm very proud of these guys that you've got that are that are stepping up and going. I want I want I want to be in. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be open and honest. So that's awesome. I'm really proud of them. They've they're coming a long way. This will be week five tonight. And um, I've told them you've got to be committed for six months, and we'll after that we'll recheck, we'll see where you're at, and if we need it, we'll we'll keep on going, we'll keep doing this thing. Otherwise, you know, we'll check in every now and then with each other. But um, time will tell. We'll see where God leads this ministry in that way. Um, but the very fact that they want to be there and that they are showing up and they're putting in the work is is a great testimony to me. So uh, what's been like the biggest hurdle so far with you studying and wanting to do more at your church with counseling? Like what, what do you go? This, this was really hard for me to get through. Right now it's the biggest hurdle is besides this conquer ministry that we've started is getting church members used to the fact that, uh, well, I'm the youngest pastor in the church. I'm still fairly fresh faced there. Um, Getting them used to the fact that that I'm available for counseling too. They'll they'll keep uh, Pastor Corey up all, all hours of the night, sometimes, and getting them to realize that there's there's more than one capable there that that loves them, cares for them in that way, 
um, has been big and more than just the teenage boys, you know, so um, I want to take care of the teenage girls too, right? And there are appropriate ways to do that. Um, but getting to the point where they feel comfortable with me or with some of our other leaders and sharing those kinds of details so that we can step in and help them in a biblical way, uh, we just haven't really crossed that line yet. Um, we're, we're getting close, but it's just a totally different thing relating to teenage girls than it is to teenage boys. And so God just hasn't opened that window as much yet. It really is amazing how different they are. Like I, as a joke, but as an honest thing, I tell our kids all, especially when they're going through relationship stuff, I always tell them, you know, all boys are, and they know the answer is dumb. All boys are dumb. True. Uh, <laughs> and then I say all girls are, and they say crazy. And it's true that they're so different. <laughs> it becomes less so as, as you get a grip on hormones and right. as you know, that's, you know, you get older and you're just tired, you know, but, but really at this age, they could, they could not be any more different. Like right. it, every aspect, they are different. The the food that they eat, the friends that they have, the things that they do, the way that they think, the way that they treat. I mean, it, it could not be more different. And yet, thankfully, God has made us with a singular thing that we need, him. Sure. Uh, you know, so we yes. do have that, that common fiber that we can go back to and go, I don't care if you are trying to eat a lizard, uh, you know, or right. putting on way too much makeup. Uh, you need Jesus. Absolutely. Um, so, uh so we talked about your biggest hurdle. Um, do you have any uh, concerns on limitations with this program? Like, where do you, you go, man, this is really going to be a hindrance or this is going to be really, this is going to be something beyond what I'm capable of dealing with. What are some things that you may have thought through and go, I, I need to think through these possible limitations? Well, there's a big one. So with Bible only ministry counseling, kind of like this, there's a lot of people, even in the Christian world, who will raise concerns and say, it's not enough. We've, we've got to turn to uh, secular philosophies and ideas about the way that certain things work. And, and I would say to a point, that's true, especially when it comes to medicine, right? I am not a licensed physician. I am not going to write you any kind of prescription. If you need antidepressants, I'm going to tell you to go see a doctor, right? And so it's the biggest hurdle then is determining, okay, so when do we get to that line? Like, how do, how do you know when... Um, just straight up talking to someone through the Bible is not going to be enough. And, and so learning where that line is appropriately um, and not encouraging people to go to the things that have not been proven scientifically, which are normally what is discussed in a um, psychological center. Um, so there, there is a line there between what science says is true with medicine and what um, they think is true, which is normally outlined in the DSM-5. Um, so you just, you've, you've got to find that line and make sure you are handling people with care and with respect and making sure that you are giving them appropriate counsel, whether it's biblical or medicinal. And usually, you know, the Bible says our body and our spirit are combined. What affects one will affect the other. So to a certain point, you have to make sure that if you are being cared for by a doctor something's going on with your spiritual side too. You ought to be talking to your pastor. You ought to be talking to a deacon or a biblical counselor of some sort um, because you are experiencing tragedy and heartbreak. You're probably confused at God and you ought not keep those things inside. You ought to work through them with someone who can show you the scriptures and say, this is who God is and this is what it says and this is how God can comfort you and help you and help you to grow in faith through this hard circumstance, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's something you caused or something somebody else caused. So, um, 
what's your dream for this man? Like, what's, what's your vision? You know, this is, I mean, no matter what education we as pastors take, we take it for a reason. We take it for a purpose. Uh, and so surely you've thought like, this is where I would love for this to be in one year, five year, 10 years. Like, what is your vision for you becoming, uh, you know, a, a licensed counselor, licensed biblical counselor? Yeah. Um, I really would like to see uh, more training take place within our church members so that this ministry can then grow. Uh, one of the biggest things, like when I even first heard about it, I was like, okay, so they're going to teach me new stuff that I don't know. And now that I've gone through it more than halfway, I'm realizing this is a lot of stuff that I know as a youth pastor, but now I know how to talk to people in a practical one-on-one kind of way that actually helps them. And so I see it as an opportunity for people to learn Scripture better and be able to use it in the way that God actually intended us to use it anyway. I mean, counseling doesn't have to be this uh, official, you make an appointment with me at this time, and you'll fill out this paperwork. And God designed us to give counsel even informally all the time, and we do it every day. And so we should be training church members how to use their Bibles every day right more than just reading it and pondering it and saying well i guess i don't understand i'll just ask pastor on sunday it doesn't have to be that way and i think this is an opportunity for people in the church who have that uh especially empathetic muscle uh to pair scripture with that gift and and bring it um, out in the church so that i mean people can grow and they can heal and they can be doing it together as a church family. Um, so I'd really like to see the ministry expand more than just me and our, our church secretary, but um, have a team of, of five, maybe even 10 um, and, and have that uh, really be a, a important part of what we're doing at JBC. Uh, recently I was watching a video and I was talking about how um, it was specifically talking about church websites, but church websites are not usually written in a way that communicates that we have answers uh, it's not written in a way that that says that you know we are experts on these topics, um, and so as you're you're talking about what you're learning and where you're going, like it's it's beneficial to more than just our church people. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and and so I'm I'm listening to that and I'm being encouraged by that because um, we have been taught by the one who created families what the best model is for for families. Amen. We've been taught by the one who has created marriage what marriage should look like, uh, and, and, and on and on and on and on. The one who's created our bodies, uh, that has created desires in us, we have been taught the best way to healthily uh, you know, pursue those desires. And um, the world is being taught things that are not coming from the one who created it. You oh, know what I mean? Sure. And it, what they're teaching changes from <laughs> month to month, day to day. And it's not getting better. It's not getting better. No. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to that. And I'm going, okay, so, you know, this is powerful and beneficial, not just for the kid in your Sunday school class, you know, right. who's struggling. By all means, we need to start with who God has sent our way. Um, but uh, I'm also looking at this going, wow, how how powerful could this be for our communities? You know, and, right. and it says, wow, you know, I'm looking at, you know, these young men that are coming out of Cameron's church and they are respectful to women, you know, they, right. they are, you know, they're, they're not the same. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just picturing, imagining, uh, what that could look like in your community. And it's exciting. Um, one last question, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of get some, some last particulars. Um, when you're thinking about this ministry, uh, who is 
like a, a perfect, most beneficial, this person would benefit greatly from a program like this? Well, initially, I mean, right now, I'm already training um, some young adults that have already graduated out of my youth group, one who is just about to graduate. Um, he actually wants to get a degree in counseling, um, and I'm actually encouraging him to go ahead and get that degree through the University of Florida, um, even though it's going to teach all the secular stuff, because um, as I told him, it could be useful, even if it's useful in an adverse way to them and say, you can argue all points. Right, And you can open up a practice where you can teach people using the Bible and explain why the other methods don't work. I don't claim to be an expert on all of those different methods. That's not my education. I know enough to sound like I might know something. Mm -hmm. right? Um, and he's a very smart guy. Um, I really see him being successful in that way. Um, and so those are the kinds of people I'd like to reach with this because we need more of them. Right. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. Not everybody's called to be a youth pastor or a children's minister. Uh, we need everyday people to be stepping up and using the Bible in their everyday life. We need more Christian lawyers and we need more Christian counselors who can use Scripture in the way that it was intended because it is sufficient for every area of life, not just for Sundays and Wednesdays, but for our entire life. It holds all the answers. We just got to read it. We just got to understand it and then tell people about it. And it sounds so easy saying it like that, but how many of us actually do it? And, and so I think this is a great way to start bringing that out in the local church and then affecting the community in that way. Very nice. So if somebody wanted to learn more about the uh, ACBC, where should they go? So ACBC, you can find them at biblicalcounselors.com. Um, there are different branches of what they call Nuthetic Counseling. Um, the ACBC is the only one that I would suggest that anyone look into because there are other associations who will say medicine is sorcery and we should not use it. Um, obviously, I've debunked that in this episode already, right? Biblicalcounselors.com is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. They know what they're talking about. They're doing a good job. They're making an impact. And frankly, we need more biblical counselors in the world. Last thing, uh, if someone says, man, I enjoy listening to that guy. I know that you got a podcast, so I, I, want you, I want you to hit me with what that is, but also uh, where else they can maybe find you on social media and other things like that and how they get a hold of you. Okay. Well, you can find me and my podcast on um, every major platform, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the rest at Living Worship with Cameron Diamond. Um, you can find me um, on Facebook. Just look up Cameron Diamond, Jonesville Baptist Church. You'll find me. Um, and then YouTube, just type in Cameron Diamond, and, and I'll be right there. Um, I don't get on Twitter so much anymore. I would give you that, but uh, Twitter's kind of a dumpster fire. Totally days. get it. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> well, cool. Cameron, I appreciate you coming and hanging out with us uh, and, and spending time talking, and I look forward to hearing uh, in the future kind of how it's going. So we'll have to have you back on and uh, find it. Like, seriously, I remember when we got – breakfast or lunch. It was at, it was at uh, Maple Street, so it could have been yes. either one. I remember when we were sitting talking, and I looked, and I saw that you had a hat on with the uh, Mandalore shield, Mandalore crest, yep. and, I was, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, I'm going to like this guy. We're yep. going to get along well. So oh, yeah. we just need to pick another nerdy topic, and uh, and we'll get together again. Well, i got plenty of those. <laughs> Listen, uh, when you mentioned Magic the Gathering, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's he's hardcore nerd. Hardcore nerd. Yeah, yep. I, I mean, I tried to fight it for a while, but I can't help what I like. Now I just own it. And Listen, people just deal with it. Nerds run the world, okay? That's right. That's right. They have all the fun. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cameron, again, I appreciate you coming and uh, look forward to hearing from you again soon. All right. Thanks, you.